So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Matthew chapter 18, verse 35. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. What I wish to say this morning is really a part two uh, to the sermon I preached last week. You'll recall, um, those of you who were here, that I spoke last week about doing conflict well in Christian community. Uh, And I ended by asserting the importance of of coming to the table of conflict uh, with forgiveness in the ready. Uh, I actually, last week, didn't look ahead at that point to this week's lessons, but apparently I was in good company to think about forgiveness because this is what St. Peter brings up on the heels of our Lord's teaching about conflict. His first question, having just heard our Lord talk about uh, the necessity of seeking reconciliation, is very pragmatic. He says, well, you know, well okay, sounds good. Uh, we'll follow this plan, but, but what are the limits? Let's say we, uh, we follow what you just said, Lord, and, and we do approach our brother and let him know candidly when we've been wronged and seek reconciliation. And say he repents and I forgive him, and then the next week he does the same thing again. And again, and again. How many times would I have to forgive? Maybe seven times? To which Jesus replies, uh, some translations say 77, some say 70 times 7, 490. Uh, But the meaning is the same, uh, so much where you would lose count. (laughs) Like if you can't keep track up to 490 or 77, the point is you shouldn't be keeping track. You need to keep offering forgiveness. And to drive the point home, then Jesus tells this famous parable that we just heard of the ungrateful debtor. The story about a man who owes a king, and you know, we don't use talents and denarii, so if you translate in terms of how much a, uh, middle, like was an average working wage into today's dollars, the first servant owed $9 billion. Yeah, that's kind of missed, right, if you don't, out of con- cultural context. He's for, gratuitously just forgiven $9 billion, Uh, And then he goes and finds someone who owes him, in today's money, $15,000. So still a chunk of change, but nothing like $9 billion, right? And he exacts payment which cannot be made. And when uh, the king who first forgave the $9 billion finds out, he actually gives the man back his $9 billion debt. And he throws him in jail for eternity because you could never pay a $9 billion debt if you were a slave. And Jesus, you know, just in case the comparison isn't clear, kind of really working, kind of coming down to his disciples' level, even ends with the verse with which I just began this sermon. This parable is a parable of how my heavenly Father will treat you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. So kind of, you know, Peter, you can kind of imagine, is kind of caught on his heels on this one. Uh, How many sins must you forgive your brother for? Well, how many sins would you like to be forgiven for? How many sins have you already been forgiven for? I think uh, this is one of the lessons. I love the Bible for this reason. Um, So many of the sayings of the Bible, the the things our Lord taught, they don't fit neatly into a systematic theology. Because while it is uh, absolutely the gospel truth that we have been forgiven our sins freely because of nothing we've done, purely out of the largesse, and the mercy of God, we've been forgiven, right? The $9 billion debt, just erased. Nevertheless, the parable makes plain that to remain in a state of forgiveness is conditional. That we can actually undo the forgiveness that we've received if we fail categorically to forgive one another. 
It's a terrifying thought, I think, the idea of getting a burden back. Could you imagine being forgiven a $9 billion debt and then getting it back on your own shoulders? But that's clearly uh, the teaching of our Lord in this parable. And it's, it's embedded right there in the prayer we pray every day, right? The, the Our Father. When Jesus says, as we pray, he taught us to pray, forgive us our sins. There's that crucial as, as was pointed out in Sunday school this morning. As we forgive those who sin against us. Meaning that because we are, with God's help, striving to forgive others, that's our hope for remaining in the state of being forgiven for our sins. Jesus actually seems to make it a condition of our salvation, which makes this a, a very weighty topic to dig into this morning, does it not? A condition of our salvation. So that's what I want to unpack a little bit together is this command to forgive. I want to clear up a few things I think are some popular misconceptions about forgiveness um, and then speak a little bit about what it is and just a couple steps on how to do it practically. So I want to say a few things that forgiveness is not. Uh, Forgiveness is not condoning. Um, Actually, they stand in, in opposition to each other. Because an action actually has to be named as bad to be forgiven. Right? Condoning is to sort of try and sweep it under the rug and say, okay, well, it wasn't so bad. You've actually erased the ability to forgive if you try and call you know, a spade not a spade. A sin is a sin. If someone's wronged you, it's right to say that. And that's building off of the teaching of our Lord's last week about being candid when we've been wronged. So it's right to call it a sin and not just to try and rename it as something else. I think and that's important to do with our lips. It's also important to do with our feet, to not condone the sin of another. And here I think a really sort of acute example, which is worth saying out loud, is um, let's say you're in a, a situation where someone's being physically abusive to you, like sinning against you physically. Um, it actually would be to condone the sin, to stay in that abusive uh, environment and relationship. It would be condoning it with your feet. To say, yeah, that's okay to do. It's not okay to do. Forgiveness and condoning are not the same. Where God will calls us to forgive every sin committed against us. But that doesn't mean we have to stay in the line of fire, right, of some sin, of allowing the occasion of sin to keep happening. Forgiveness is not the same as condoning. It's also not excusing. I think this is another sort of uh, quick go-to we get from, like, pop psychology of our day to try and explain away what's been done wrong because of known causes, right? We kind of see this in like the criminal world, like, well, look at his past, or, you know, it kind of excuses what he did. And that's, again, a misstep. It's not forgiveness to excuse. Yes, certainly we can understand reasons why, you know, those to whom evil is done do evil in return. It's like a law as old as time. Um, But, you know, Karen and I, we call this defending the bad guy. We're not called to defend the bad guy. There may be reasons, but at the end of the day, there's always going to be some unexcusable lump of something that was done wrong, that we're still called on to forgive. So sometimes making excuses, while it can help to create empathy, in which case, great, um, it can also be kind of a distraction from just the difficult work of saying, there's a big piece of this that's unexcusable, and I'm still going to work on forgiving that. Um, One of the great, more recent writers who writes so well on forgiveness, I know I'm sure he's beloved to many of you, C.S. Lewis, writes so well about forgiveness. And he kind of summed up our Lord's teaching uh, in this gospel with, when he said, um, we must forgive what's inexcusable in others because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. It's a great formulation, right? When we recognize there's this, still this thing which I can't justify, right? We can't justify ourselves before God either. 
In the same way we've received that kind of forgiveness, so we should give. So forgiveness, it's not condoning, uh, it's not excusing away. And lastly, I want to say it's, uh, it's also not synonymous with happy feelings or even reconciliation in the relationship. Reconciliation is the goal, is the hope, the best outcome of a, a situation of forgiveness, um, but they do stand independent of each other. So um, our Lord's really clear that forgiveness must be genuine, right? When he says it must be from the heart, it can't be a lip service only. And sometimes, as you've probably discovered, there can be a feeling of relief and peace to forgive someone, but we don't look at the feelings to see if we really have forgiven or not. The feelings may or may not be there. Uh, I think it's actually okay not to feel warm about someone who's wronged you. I think forgiveness is the work of letting go of bitterness and vindictiveness, letting go of the angry feelings. Um, but it doesn't mean we have to try and force our heart to be like, okay, and now I really like that person. Ne- neutral, I think, before God is okay. Um, what I mean to say is that feelings and, wh- and where we're at in the at work of forgiveness uh, don't always correspond to each other. Okay, so th- those three things forgiveness is not. Uh, what is it then? Um, simply, it's an act of the will. That's why it's deeper than feelings. And uh, you know, this word forgiveness, it, we pretty much only hear it in a Christian context. And so I think by virtue of being a religious word, uh, it can be kind of hard to like, get our hands around. Like, well, yeah, but what is that? What kind of an act of the will does it, is it to forgive? Um, and here I think actually, very rarely do I find dictionaries that helpful. <laughs> uh, but here I think just looking at some of the other ways the Greek word can be translated can help us kind of get our, our arms around what it means to forgive. So the word is, is aphiemi, and if you look up that up in a Greek dictionary, you'll see some other translations. It can be translated to forgive. It can also be translated to send away or to cancel, to pardon. It can also mean to leave or to let go. And I think each of those sort of other, you know, various shades of meaning in those English words can kind of help us level in on, well, what does that mean, to forgive? It could mean uh, you know, sending away the bitterness, pardoning the crime of the offender. In short, I think, I love this word, letting go. I was, um, I was with my mum a couple of weeks ago, as most of you know, uh, and uh, we got to go for a long walk together so I could say some things that I would regret if they were never said, uh, chiefly thanking her for some things I'd never thanked her for. Um, but also, after doing a bit of soul-searching, I realized a couple of things I needed to repent of, sort of deep, long-standing patterns in my relationship with her, where I wish I'd have done it better, uh, where I had sinned against her with really a coldness of heart, and I repented of this to my mum. And when I said it, she did this wonderful thing. She just, with her hands, made this gesture. She just kind of looked at me, and she kind of went like this, kind of bowled it up, and just threw it away. <laughs> And it really struck me, like, what a grasp of, like, the Christian act of forgiveness that that is. To take it and say, yep, that is what you say it is, and I let it go. Uh, and she said, you are, you're forgiven, it's forgotten. Which are, of course, such wonderful words to hear. And I think, I kind of offer you that to you as sort of a visual picture, a takeaway for today. What does it mean to forgive? It means to go like this. <laughs> that's, that's simply a good way of uh, getting at the deep Christian truth of forgiveness. Um, but I was thinking about it this morning. I think um, forgiveness, how hard it is, is proportional to uh, where we stand in relationship to the person that we're trying to forgive, right? Uh, and I think it gets harder and harder the more uh, authority someone has, may have over you or the more vulnerability 
you've given to them. So what I mean to say is uh, it's kind of easy to forgive the sins uh, when a child apologizes. You'd have to be a pretty cold-hearted parent uh, to refuse your child's apology. And it's actually not so difficult, right, to forgive someone who kind of stands at eye level, like a co-worker or, you know, an acquaintance, someone who there's kind of not much, you know, know, over and above between you. Uh, With God's help and a little bit of effort, you can forgive their wrongs. It becomes a much more difficult work uh, when the person has some sway over your life, right? Someone who had been entrusted with doing you good who ended up doing you harm who should have protected you from sin and not sinned against you. I think this is sort of where the real rubber meets the road with our Lord's teaching on forgiveness. And as any of you who have suffered in this way can testify to, uh, it's a long labor, right, to learn to forgive this kind of person. But as Jesus says, it's a necessary one for our own forgiveness. And I think very rarely does God give grace instantly to forgive such a, like when it's really a treacherous sin, someone who should have protected us and they didn't. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. It's often the work of years. Uh, if, and uh, so I want to encourage you that if you still kind of feel like you're really working on forgiveness and you hear this parable and you're like, I still haven't forgiven this person, uh, to not lose heart that these things do take a long amount of time. From what I've sort of seen in the world, I reckon maybe as many as half of you have suffered in this way, if not more. Maybe under a parent or a relative or a spouse, maybe a previous pastor, maybe a professor or a supervisor or a mentor, and it could have been sinful words that cut you down, sinful deeds that did you harm, or sinful neglect. It could be anything. And I actually don't know who of you I'm describing. I'm not trying to like single you out, because I, you, you haven't, I haven't learned some of these things, but these things sit deep, right? Um, deep from the past. But what I, if this does describe you, if you have been sinned against by someone uh, who had sway over your life, um, maybe for some of you the work of forgiveness is complete. Thanks be to God for that. Uh, if it's not, if the wound is still not fully healed because of bitterness and the kind of the constant rubbing of uh, the, the anger that comes from that, that past wound, and the, the, the sort of two steps I want to offer to you this morning is first to ask, as so many Christian tasks, ask for God's help. Uh, just to, because it actually is impossible as a human to forgive such treachery. But as baptized Christians who have the living God living within us, no sin is impossible to forgive. So the first step is to, is to pray, Lord, to confess, I, I don't want to forgive, but I want to want to forgive. Give me grace. Help me to forgive that person. So that's step one is to ask for help. The second step is in prayer to proclaim forgiveness. To say, like in your private prayers, Lord, I forgive that person for what they did. And the trick here is that you won't actually mean it very much at first. And that's okay. It actually is okay. It's the act of the world that say, that's where I'm going. And that with God's help, you'll mean it more and more over time. And each time you pray that our Father, and we say, and those who've trespassed against us, bring that person to mind and say, yeah, as I forgive that person who trespassed against me. It's in repeating that act and repeating the asking for God's help that you'll find that God actually does sort of mysteriously help you kind of peel off the tight fingers and and let go of that sin that was done against you. And I think one day it it might come as a surprise to find that the bitterness is gone. C.S. Lewis again writes so candidly about his own experience of being really wounded by someone in his childhood, uh, a school teacher. And he said, after 20 years of almost daily trying to 
let go and, and let go of this wound and ask for God's help, one day he realized his heart was free and the wound was healed. And I hope it doesn't take you 20 years, uh, but it may take a few. And I, I just want to add one practical thing as it relates to uh, last week's sermon and sort of how these things relate into com- in community. Um, forgiveness, uh, even though sort of it seems to have just this horizontal element, right? Like if you wrong me and I wrong you, like that's kind of between us. Um, the, actually, the, the most important part of forgiveness is actually the vertical element, is before, between us and God. And so uh, if you're in the midst of one of these really long forgiveness quests against some very serious sin against you, um, I'd actually recommend that you, you don't rush to the person, if they're still alive, who offended you. This is the work to do with God first and foremost, uh, and to take it to him and to re- forgive the person in the presence of God so that your heart can be healed. And if God leads you clearly and guides you to sort of work to reconcile that relationship, great. But that's secondary uh, and should come second to, to really first working it out with God. Because if you go to someone who's wounded you in the past and you're not fully right with God and your heart's not kind of fully been made well, you're just opening yourself up to be hurt again and kind of to compound the problem. And so I really want to encourage you that Again, reconciliation is the ultimate goal, but the most important thing, the the cornerstone of it all, is forgiving that person before God. Uh, I want to encourage you that today, maybe you're sort of at the beginning of one of these journeys, maybe you're in the middle of one of these long journeys of forgiveness, uh, but just to kind of recommit with your will again to forgiving whoever it is that's wronged you. And it's such a uh, wonderful gift of God as we come to his table every Sunday, that here, as you come forward to communion, to receive, to sort of have renewed, have sort of reaffirmed the forgiveness that you have been given in Christ Jesus, to kind of seize that as a chance to ask God for more grace, to extend that same forgiveness to the person that may have wronged you. Because if any of us wish to be forgiven on Judgment Day, one of the questions the Lord will look for is, do you have faith in His Son, Jesus Christ? Have you forgiven others? It's really that important. Uh, this will come back. Uh, it's not something that can just be swept under the rug. We cannot withhold forgiveness from our fellow man. Um, and that's true whether we've been sinned against a lot or a little. Um, because in comparison to how much we have offended God, you know, this is a vision which we claim in faith. I don't feel like I've offended God a ton. But when I read his word and I recognize how holy he is, in faith I believe, oh no, I really have offended him a ton. And in comparison with what it means to offend Almighty God, all of the slights we've done against each other, even the most egregious things, uh, compared to how much we've offended God, are really quite small. And, And that's why God would command us to do such a humanly difficult thing. Why he would command us to forgive, I mean, against all human nature that would want to be vindictive forever, uh, why he would command us to forgive is because that's what he's done for us. This is just one more instance of the great teaching of the Bible that we are to be imitators of God our Father. So thanks be to him for his mercy. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us all of our sins. And I pray that even today you would give us more grace uh, to forgive those who have sinned against us and that you'd even give us grace now to forgive those who may sin against us in the future. Amen.